0: Last week's brutal and unprovoked attack by the so-called all-engulfing sonic sponge. Upon Lord Doom's return from his diplomatic mission, the sonic sponge was summarily vanquished, and subjected to public execution. Thanks to Lord Doom's genius, its remains have been repurposed as all-cleansing household sponges, and distributed to the frontline workers of Doomstadt. Those responsible for the sponge's intrusion upon Latverian soil have been severely disciplined, although spared the ultimate punishment by the grace of Doom. The ultimate force behind the Sonic Sponge remains unknown. The Wakandan, American and Atlantean governments have all denied culpability, as well they might, under the circumstances. This is Doomboty m 17 for the VOL. Zero.
1: Two. Four. This is The Voice of Latveria. Zero. Two. Four.
0: Here in Latveria, we get news from all over the world. The news may be good or bad, but we will always tell you the truth, as Lord Doom sees it.
1: Every week on The Voice of Latveria, we examine Marvel Comics history through the career of its greatest hero, Dr. Victor Von Doom. And now, here's your host, Douglas Wolk. The man who has read every Marvel superhero comic book and lived to tell us all about it.
0: Thank you so much, J 5 My guest this week to talk about The Incredible Hulk number 143 and 144 is the remarkable K. Thor Jensen. Thor is a writer and artist and cartoonist who's been doing all kinds of stuff for a long time. He lives in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome, Thor. Let's talk about these bizarre issues of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, they're a weird one. Sadly, we're not reading the one right before these, uh, 142, which is the one where uh, the Hulk goes... To, it's it's the radical chic parody issue where he goes to a party sponsored by New York socialites to raise funds for the Hulk. And meets. Uh, he meets Tom Wolf, which is not Tom Wolf's first appearance in a Marvel comic because he had uh, appeared in Doctor Strange a year or so before.
1: That's incredible. This is such a weird period
0: for a Marvel. and This
1: comic has so much, like, late 60s, like decision making in it it's really fascinating
0: yeah uh, so this is this is a uh, 1971 Roy Thomas oh, is sorry. writing Dick Ayers is drawing John Severin is inking and Dick Ayers was an inker before he was a penciler really like he kind of came up like being Jack Kirby's inker and drawing a few monster comics and westerns on his own and this is where he's kind of trying to make the shift to Drawing superhero comics. And you can see a lot of stuff about pacing that he picked up from Kirby. And then some stuff from pacing that he did not figure out from Kirby.
1: Yeah, his it's his art is really interesting in that there's a grandeur in Kirby, especially when you talk about Dr. Doom, there's like a certain portrayal of Dr. Doom where he's imposing. He has presence. And the thing that Ayers just doesn't get that about the character at all in these issues. That's one of the things that's fascinating to me is that he never feels terribly potent or threatening in any of the drawings. He's just like a a goof in like an armored suit. So I think that that's super fascinating to me. It's super fascinating to me to see him on the Hulk, which is another character that's all about that dynamism, that big gestural stuff. And it's, it's just not connecting in a way that you would expect it to connect.
0: There's so much strange stuff about about this. I mean, this setup at the beginning is the Hulk is loose in New York City, cops are running after him, Uh, Bruce Banner is like crouching in the alley in his purple pants doing his sort of self-pitying routine. And uh, then all of a sudden a car pulls up and says like, hey, hey buddy, get in. Uh, And it is a uh, limo commanded by Dr. Doom. It's not totally clear how Dr. Doom knew that Bruce Banner was there or how this was all going to work or why he would trust somebody who pulled up in a limo and said, get in.
1: One thing that's incredible about the scene is that Bruce Banner gets in the limo. And then Roy Thomas, who is just in like the most despised form here. Everything he writes is just for, we didn't mention, I think we should probably rewind to the first page, which is the the instant I pieced out of this comic was the title of the issue is Sanctuary. And then there's a Roy Thomas footnote with apologies to William Faulkner, which is just, it's just such a, like smug weird because this doesn't have anything so there's no parallels that we can draw I think to the Faulkner novel
0: yeah I mean this again the previous issue had been much better than this The previous issue is called they shoot hulks don't they
1: incredible yeah. so yeah it's it's just this, this weird like re- and I think that that's if we want to talk about Roy Thomas that's something
0: that always kind of rubs me about him it's like reaching he's like look at what I'm doing well, he wants you to remember that he used to be an English teacher specifically wow. like that is his whole deal
1: and it's just like it so, I, I
0: felt like the title of that last year that works that's
1: great it's funny and with the context of the story you're describing that's super workable It's it's not here it yeah. doesn't It it fails early so yeah Banner gets in the car and then there's a caption when he gets in the limousine, but what can be the reason that he does not turn his head at once to learn the identity of his mysterious benefactor. And then we get four more panels of action before he turns his head. We get a a police chase and a shot and Dr. Doom shooting a ray to melt a policeman's gun. And then Bruce Banner turns his head and says, Dr. Doom? It's <laughs> such a long span of time. Like, what he's has what's he doing? Is he checking his phone? Like, what is, what is, what is he doing for this? And I think that that's, you talked about the pacing. The, that's, that is such a great example of why the pacing is so
0: weird yeah. in this I mean, story. This very much re- reads like it was done Marvel style, like plot art script. That seems like, you know, the, why isn't he turning his head seems like Roy Thomas covering up for Dick Ayers, like drawing Bruce gets in the car. We see a little bit of a mysterious hooded figure next to him. Then we get four more panels before we have the Dr. Doom reveal. There's more of that that we'll be seeing a little later in this issue, but, uh, Doom brings Banner to the Latverian embassy, uh, where nobody can touch him because quote diplomatic immunity. Now, I'm never sure that diplomatic immunity really works the way that it's purported to in early Doctor Doom stories. Uh, yeah, because- it's, it's
1: always like a catch-off, like, oh, I can just do whatever, and he's,
0: you know, he's, yeah. crime is free. Right. <laughs> General Thunderbolt Ross is out looking for uh, the Hulk, and then all of a sudden, uh, while every- everybody's kind of, like, running around and talking through bullhorns and stuff, uh, Doc Samson shows up. In an incredible moment. It's like, yes.
1: and like Betty Russell's is like, dad, look, Len's come to help us. She's referring to him by Len, yeah. which is not a common name for Leonard. Yeah. Doc Samson at this juncture is such a weird character of his time because he's the, he's the psychologist. Is he a psychologist or psychiatrist? Can he prescribe medication? Or I haven't seen him. He's, he's really a talk therapist. Right. So he's, and he shows up. And he has like a Prince Valiant page boy haircut with a single curl in the front. It's this bizarre thing. And it's such a strange thing where he's like, my power was getting greater because when my hair got longer. So I gave myself a haircut, (laughs) which is so it's again, I think this is also maybe Dick Ayers drew him with short like hair, because I don't know if this aspect of his character is ever come up since is this you would know more than i is this I'm, something like, I'm pretty sure it has not it's um, so weird yeah and then he pulls out a light post to be like oh i still i'm still strong now
0: it's and cool
1: bends in half yeah and it's like and then they make him go home
0: right uh so doom brings out the hulk and the hulk starts causing trouble and then the army blows the hulk up
1: This is this part is incredible to me because I can't imagine even the most gullible eight-year-old in 1971 falling for this. Yeah. No. We Um, get because we get like how many pages? Like three pages of the Hulk supporting cast. Well, Hulk's dead. You know, guess I have to go on with my life now. And they all have their emotional reactions to it, but it's so rushed
0: and weird. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's blown up at the end of a sequence where he's jumping away. And so he's just like a tiny little blip in the corner of a panel. And then, uh, Kablao, they blow him out of the sky. And blasted him to atoms. And there's nothing left but little pieces of his purple jeans fluttering down. Are they jeans or are they dress pants?
1: I don't know if they Uh, have purple.
0: I mean, whatever they are, they stretch.
1: Yeah, they're very stretchy. So yeah, it's this whole... Thing that's so nutty, and we get like these weird little flashbacks, and it's really everybody has a flashback about like emotional moments with the Hulk. Yeah, and then it ends on like this very strange panel of like them walking off into the sun, in, like the cityscape sunset with Gladstone Eye, with Thunderbolt Ross saying, "Come, daughter. There's nothing more we can do here."
0: And then, of course, we go back to the Latverian embassy where Doom is laughing and explaining that this was his Hulk robot. There's already been a bunch of Hulk robots turning up. There was a Hulk ro- robot that was uh, in Iron Man like a year or two before this uh, that I think was actually made by the Mandarin. But you know, there's there's a lot of Hulk bots. Um, and so, of course, this was a Hulk bot because whenever Doom turns up, there are robots. That, yeah. is, the, that is the rule. Um, so he explains to Banner that... He distracted them by sending the Hulk bot to go get destroyed. Uh, Banner gets mad at this and tries to Hulk out, but Doom gases him with like special gas that comes mm-hmm. from his gloves. Glove gas. He, he's done that before, like, multiple times, I think. I've seen the gas gimmick. Uh, there's lots of stuff that comes from his gloves. Like he keeps a lot of stuff in there. I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. He's done it before. And he's not using his boulder gun this time, That that's, that's a shame. The, the boulder gun is great. It's the gun that turns molecules into boulders. I've seen the boulder gun. It's
1: pretty great. The, what's great about the boulder gun is that the boulder gun is actually one of his weapons, one of his special attacks in all of the Marvel versus Capcom video games. Yeah, as he calls it, molecular shield, like boulders spin up out of nowhere and spin around him and go flying. It's great that the boulder gun is that much of a canon
0: Doom weapon. I mean, nobody else has ever had a boulder gun. It is specifically his thing. Yeah, he has a lot of just incredible, you know, single-use
1: concepts. Yes. So, yeah, so one thing I wanted to point out, and I think that this is definitely a Dick Ayer's John Severin thing, is Doom's mouth in a lot of these drawings is so... And I think that's such a great example of other artists trying to translate a Kirby concept that is just an abstract, it's an abstract shape. Like what is inside of Doom's mouth is not a representation of a specific piece of machinery that has a function. It's a really cool looking abstract shape that works in the context. And then when other people draw it, especially Severin, who's like detailing every bolt on the face and all that, it just is this weird
0: undistinguished, like it doesn't communicate anything. Right. He's, he's trying to have an open mouth in one panel and no, it's a mask. It doesn't have a mouth that opens. It's not, it doesn't have a hinged jaw.
1: Yeah. It's very hard because I think that to draw Dr. Doom for, in a lot of ways, cartoonists of this generation have to kind of unlearn expressiveness. Like the expression of Dr. Doom comes in his framing and his positioning and his, you know, how you present him in a panel, and Ayers just isn't up to that. Like he's he, he,
0: he can have some body language, he can't have a facial expression, right?
1: And it doesn't. And it's weird that like we see like his eyes really well in this close up too. And it's such a, it just there's this weird disjunct of you. This is not a real person that you're drawing. You're not drawing a portrait. You're ex, you're trying to express something about this character that he's not expressing. And can we also Give a little shout out to the flunky uniforms in this, which are great. Yes. They're so strange.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, they've got like a what? little like B antennae on top or something, and then they have some sort of vent in the back.
1: And the B antennae are very short. They're just yes. bulbs on like yeah. maybe, if we want to say, maybe like an inch of antenna, They're very, very small.
0: Great. It, it's, yeah. And I, I don't think we've seen these before or since, but they're they're... They're sharp. They're, they're uniforms. Um,
1: I think they're they're kind of similar to the ones that his lackeys had in Supervillain Team Up.
0: Ah, I, yes, think I think I remember
1: seeing. I think that that's kind of the. And I think this seems. When was that published? Is that around this it was time? A little bit later.
0: That's a few, that's a couple of years
1: after this. That's okay. like 74 to 76. So. All right. So I, I, it seems you know familiar looking. And then they fly back to Latveria. And one thing that I found interesting is that the colors of the Latverian flag change throughout this issue. Huh. So in some it panels, is. it's a. I think it's a bird. Is that the symbol of the Latverian flag? I don't know that much about it. I'm not mm, familiar I mean, with it.
0: The, the, the Liberian flag changes a lot from time to time. It's, I believe it is currently a green and black thing with a little bit of red, which is actually uh, the logo for this very show. If you look at it on podcast uh-huh. service, you'll see the Latverian flag there. Um, this, I think that's just like the Liberian embassy flag or something. Yeah, it's not clear. That's,
1: I didn't know that embassies had their own flags. But yeah, so in some places, it's like this black bird silhouette on a red background. Other places, it's red on black Yeah. without much... I mean, they could have two. They could
0: alternate. That would be, you know, a little zingy. This is where we run into the Dick Air pacing problem, which is that we've gotten two-thirds of the way through the story, and he's run out of plot. Uh, so the last few pages of this, you know, Doom, Gass' Banner... And then Doom stands over Banner's fallen body and rants and gives some directions to his lackeys. And then they fly off to Latveria and we get like, you know, far away shot of uh, the the plane jetting through the atmosphere. We get a up of Doom and then we get like another cutaway of uh, the plane. And then we see Doom and Banner inside the plane. Then we get this kind of four panel sequence. that's very much like, you know, some of Kirby's old triptychs of, Banner slowly opening his eyes and then closing them again. Then we get another triptych. Uh, This one's a horizontal triptych of three panels of the plane touching down in Latveria. And then there's a page of like, okay, the plane is touched down. The crowds are cheering. Banner is being dragged to the castle. And then we get a full page of doom, just kind of ranting in his lab. And then there's a thing that Kirby did a lot in the early Fantastic Fours, which is a three-panel sequence of what a character imagines might happen, of some possibility for the future. This is a thing he does over and over in the early FF, and this is a thing that Air seems to have picked up from him. Um, Doom is thinking about using the Hulk to attack his enemies. And finally, we get a last page of sort of superimposed giant doom face on picture of you know threatening looking Hulk who's going around, uh, smashing all of Lot neighbors and so forth. These is like six or seven pages that could have been accomplished in one,
1: yeah. It's really well. I mean, I think that the the best excuse for those, you know, fantasizing about using the Hulk to wreck his enemies is that's fun to draw. Right. It's fun to, you know, show him smashing planes and missiles and stuff. But yeah, there's so much weird pacing. Like just the sequence, the sequence you're talking about where they fly to Latveria and it's like two pages and change. That's a panel. It's super wild to me. And like Doctor Doom ranting, that's classic page filler. You could print eight pages of that or 12 pages of that. He could go forever. That's like his whole gimmick. He loves to talk. So I think it's, 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 you're right. He ran out of plot. Like he needed, he got to the ending too fast. Like, and it's strange because there's so much stuff that's done so quickly earlier. Like the part where they, the whole, you know he smashes a tank and they jumps away and they blow him up. That's like a page and a half. Yeah. And it's significantly more interesting to think about visually. and could have been (laughs) done significant, you know with a lot more, but yeah, it's, it's such a strangely paced thing. And then, you know, ending on a splash page, which is, it's a pretty rough splash page. Like, I'm not sure about the timing on this, but it really is kind of slipshod. I'm not sold on the Dick Ayers Hulk a lot. His, yeah. it's, it's also the way he's moving his hands on the splash page is very strange. He's like, I think, one of those He-Man action figures where you would inhibit <laughs> them at the waist and they would flip forward. They would yeah. spin around the waist. That's kind of what it looks like he's doing is he's like doing like a tornado punch. It's an odd thing. But yeah, so Doom, but I mean, the, the basic plot line here is pretty simple. Doom wants to, you know, use the Hulk to ruin his enemy's life. And then we get a Latvian flag and
0: kind of a swastika. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah.
1: noticed that now.
0: Yeah. Although that's, that's not, I think that's not a Latvian symbol. That's like this is one of Latveria's neighboring countries or something like it's, it's real unclear what's going on here.
1: I It's yeah, that's a super fascinating thing. And I just noticed that and I'm a little freaked out by it. Cause I think the geographical location of Latveria is a super mystery. And I think it's interesting that doom actually says that it's too small to be on the maps of many nationed Europe's in this comic. So who knows who this mystery neighbor? You know this sort of partially. It's like a swastika, but there's like breaks in the line, yeah. so it's not a full. It's such a. And then there's some kind of what looks like a two-headed, a stylized two-headed eagle next to it, and then there's what looks like an imperial Japanese flag, possibly underneath. Yeah, it. that's it's that's, very strange. It's right, very strange yeah. visual storytelling because those are you know those were drawn on purpose. Right, he was trying to express something. But about it's, what? but what, yes. who are they, who are these neighbors? Who are these? And I think that comes across a lot in doom stories where he's talking about sort of localized conquest and things around Latviria. because Latviria is this fantasy nation. So, but they can't have its neighbors be real. You know, he's not going to actually declare war on Kazakhstan
0: or whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a much later sequence where like Hungarian troops are at the Latvian border. And okay. that, that always seemed a little odd. Like, what is Hungary? What does Hungary have in mind here? <laughs> are they going to annex Latvia? And but I
1: mean, honestly, you know, as we've seen with the dissolution of the Soviet Union, that's totally possible. Like these Baltics, kind of, they're shifting. They, they, uh, you know, have flexible borders depending on. And I mean, it also makes me think: Are the Latvians a sort of distinct
0: ethnic group or a distinct cultural group? I mean, that gets dealt with a little bit in Ed Brubaker's Books of Doom. Um, and it's also later made very clear that Latveria shares a border with Simcaria, but ah. Simcaria hadn't been invented at this point. <laughs> of course. So um, so this takes us up to Incredible Hulk 144, which is in its way even weirder. Like it's This time it's Roy Thomas co-writing with Gary Friedrich, and once again, it's Dick and John Severin drawing. And this issue is all over the place. You can totally detect Roy Thomas's hand in the plot. I suspect it might have been Gary Friedrich who wrote the script, uh, but he was just given a very strange thing to work with, like weird plots to begin with, weird interpretation by Ayres, And it ends up, starting with a fight between the Hulk and Iron Man and an explanatory caption that, no, you haven't missed an issue. This is a replay of their fight back in Hulk 131, which is then being watched on a movie screen by Thunderbolt Ross, who is explaining that this is old footage of him before he was killed last issue.
1: Yeah. And then that that explanation page is a, like an 11 panel page. Right. Which is wild for a dick Ayers at this time, especially. Like yeah. I you can see like a Stranko pulling this kind of thing off, or like somebody more experimental and playful, but there's just a lot crammed into this page.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it's explained it it does effectively recap everything to the from the previous issue to the point where the previous issue is in its way, not so necessary. We go back to uh Latveria where we find out finally, what doom is actually up to with Bruce, which is, uh, there's now a gamma bomb and not only is there a gamma bomb, there's Valeria. Valeria is fascinating because Valeria is such an important character in Doom's story. And I just looked, how many issues has she ever been in? The answer is six that's flabbergasting and she's
1: so terrible in this comic she is the source of so much that doesn't and when we get to the climax of the story she's really the source of so much that doesn't work about this comic yeah but yeah so yeah it's
0: i when, where was she first introduced i don't know enough about she her she was first introduced actually in an episode from a couple of weeks ago marvel superheroes 20 And and she
1: definitely she has that retroactive insert vibe, like because she's (laughs) always presented as like, this is an important person that Mm -hmm. Dr. Doom cares about more than, you know, he's like, why do you bait me beyond the point of madness? He's so mad at all of this. But there's never a moment where you're like, well, why? (laughs) Like, it's such a it's such a crazy thing. And especially the fact that it wasn't mentioned that she was not even whispered for of last issue the whole setup yeah she couldn't we couldn't have put her into a panel to like foreshadow that she might play a part in our story yeah she's just thrown into the mix
0: so she comes in here and she does not approve of you know, victor being a violent tyrannical dictator and is uh, trying to uh talking down from the robot guards and the weapons and the gamma bomb and whatever else. Um, And uh, of course she knows that, you know, quote, now I remember something else they say happened years ago. Such a bomb turned its creator into one who is called the Hulk, which is Bruce's cue to uh, Hulk out, Hulk out involuntarily this time.
1: I actually really, I'm more sold on the air Severin Hulk in this issue. There's a face close up when he turns in the Hulk that's really nice. Like it's kind of, you can see a little John Byrne like taking a look at that and being like, I like that. I like that kind of expressiveness, you know? And then, the you know, so I think that that's, it's interesting. And then I think what's really interesting is that Doom just shuts the Hulk down instantly. Yeah. He just doesn't guess him this time. Yeah. He uses the tranquilizer Ray instead. But yeah. at whichever way he does it, like Hulk, Doctor Doom just handles him yeah. without any stress at all. Yeah. He just, I think that from what I remember of a lot of Hulk stories around this time period, Hulk gets handled a lot. Like yeah. a lot easier than he should. He gets, it's, it's such a tightrope to walk with him, but they have to put him in some kind of peril. So stuff like this happens where it's like, oh, I zapped you with a ray. Now you're a wimp again, and it's <laughs> yes. it's such it's such a strange thing because there's there's if Doctor Doom can like handle the Hulk so easily, what's the point? Like, and I think that there's a lot of stuff with Doctor Doom. Is like, well, if you have a freaking time machine, what's the point? Right. Like, why are you? It's you
0: know that petty Marvel villain stuff is you know hard to deal with. The question is, if he has a time machine why doesn't he use that to accomplish his ultimate end, which is like dealing with his mom? Yeah.
1: Or, you know, it's, there's, he's always taking, and I think that one thing I kind of like about Dr. Doom is that kind of distractibility. It's like, oh, I want to do this. And I think that that's really great. And I think that one of the things I love about Doom that is kind of on and off throughout his history is that pettiness. Yeah. Like that, and you know that like if he was a real person without all the face masks in Latveria, he would be the person that you would be at a party with. And one of the major like sort of B conversation plots of the party would be who invited that guy? (laughs) Why is he here? Yeah. He's just so like unilaterally, like there's a lot of villains who are evil or unpleasant, but Doom is just, he's just so unlikable. He's an unlikable person at his heart. And I think that that's, something that sells a lot. And I think that it's interesting to have Valeria in this because he's, he's not trying to be, he wants to be loved by her and accepted by her, but he's not willing to like change anything behaviorally at all. Yeah, Like there's, there's no, it's, you know, it's a lot like, I don't know, watching middle school boys trying to like win girls where they're like, You know, I really, I'm really interested in girls, but I'm not going to put deodorant on,
0: you know? (laughs) Uh, That in fact is a major theme of the story that we'll get to a few years down the line, which is the final time Valeria shows up. Doom's willingness or unwillingness to change at all for her. He tries to uh, persuade her that, quote, even at this moment, a neighboring country gathers its forces to attack us. Doesn't even bother to name the country. Hmm. Uh, and Valeria uh, says, you, know, you must promise me that while there is the slightest hope for peace, he will never strike the first blow. Well, uh, no, he's not doing it himself. He's sending the Hulk in. Um, so there's, again, pages on end of dithering here. Uh, like there's conversation from like, four or five straight pages here where we really ought to be seeing the Hulk just smashing. Things. Right.
1: Like he's bounding towards these enemy forces or whatever. Let's show
0: that it's, this is such a tell not show comic. <laughs> it's it's so strange that way. Yeah. Uh, so we, we get the uh, conversation that, that uh, they've got a gamma bomb that has to be detonated by remote control. Uh, but The idea is to use the Hulk as an excuse to actually detonate the gamma bomb over the opposing army that hasn't been named. It's it's really mysterious to me, like, what what is supposed to happen versus what actually happens.
1: Yeah, it's very much like a – it's it's the prestige. It's like, well, actually, you thought, you know, the Hulk stole the bomb and then – how could, there's so much like, how could Doom know which direction he was going to go? Like, how didn't he, where, there's so much up to chance in this bizarre plot yeah. and that he's only doing it because Valeria doesn't want him to just drop a bomb on these enemy forces. He's Like, so he's, why did he bring Valeria in at all? It's, it's super, yeah, she could just be in her cell, like hanging out and be like, hey, what'd you do today? He's like, oh, nothing. It didn't do anything today it didn't yeah. do any genocides at all today right but it's such a yeah it's this weird the plot is the plan is ridiculous like using the Hulk especially after he spent the end of last issue fantasizing about all the things he wants the Hulk to do for him right. and he has the Hulk under his control this just like one using him to like a you know a rat with a stick of dynamite strapped to his back seems yeah. like a very odd you know, culmination of his plots.
0: So in this talkie talk scene, it turns out that uh, one of Doom's machines was hypnotizing Bruce Banner into whatever it is he's supposed to do as the Hulk. But Valeria found this, uh, pulled the lever that stops it. There's this running thing of like massive Dr. Doom schemes that can be stopped by pulling a lever. You'd think he learned. There's an entire translucent dome that seals over Latveria that we saw in Avengers a while back that is controlled by a lever. And if you break the lever, then he can't use the dome. He doesn't bother to you know, build another lever or anything. But so uh, Valeria pulls the lever, stops the experiment, and uh, turns out that Banner has figured out how to reprogram the hypnotizing machine to re-hypnotize himself as the Hulk to do a different thing than what Doom wants him to do. And
1: what's fascinating is he does that. He re-hypnotizes himself with just the same lever. Yes. There's no other control shown. He just pulls the lever
0: differently. It's <laughs> yes. quite a bizarre sequence. That is what genius level intelligence can do, I guess. And then, yeah. And so, yeah. So we get
1: Valeria's like, well, you thought this. He, we get the prestige, basically. We get the turnover of the trick. Mm-hmm. Like, you thought it was this, but it was actually this.
0: Right. And it turns out that uh, Valeria has betrayed Doom so that uh, he won't destroy whatever the neighboring country that nobody's willing to name is. <laughs> of course, Doom's response to this is, but why? But why, though? Why would you do this to me? What have I done that would make you do this to me? And she explains, you know what? I didn't want the world. I only wanted you. He responds, I have spent my last sleepless night filled longing for you. There's a uh, preposition missing there. From now on, I will seek to please only myself. It's kind of wild that that panel hasn't shown up, uh,
1: you know, in the Tumblr memes, because that's quite a, quite a doomism.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Um, So uh, she's, she's hauled away, but uh, the Hulk burst in and says, do not worry, woman, the Hulk is here.
1: And I, so one of the things I wanted to say is that I think for people of my generation, Uh, our major exposure to John Severin wasn't his Western comics or his war comics. It was Cracked magazine. Yeah. Because he was like a a standby. And so this, like the Hulk is like fast this wall and he's got this big, giant, foreshortened foot like kicking down the wall. And it's just a goofy looking, like there's just that Severin vibe where everything is kind of a little cross-eyed, tongues out a little bit. And there's some of these drawings, they're funny. Like that could be in an issue of Cracked. It looks... Like, you know, it's got that, like, not just the way, and as I think Ayers, the framing of it, especially as Hulk's like right in the middle of the panel, it's very, it's not dynamic really at all, but it's goofy. And I think that that's, there's like that vibe for a lot of this is this, is this kind of
0: like Severance, there's something just innately silly about the way it looks. His sister, Marie Severin, had been a Hulk artist a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. And was doing much more dynamic stuff than this. Really, <laughs> like, this is where uh, Doom suddenly develops one of Sue Richards' powers. Uh, he suddenly has like an invisible force field. The Hulk bursts out of the castle. It's just smashes through the walls. We see the villagers talking about like, oh no, uh, you know, it's a, it's all coming down now. Like uh, the Hulk smashes some buildings. Doom notices that there's rubble falling toward Valeria. Does the Sue Richards thing again to build a uh, force umbrella to try to save her? What? Look, it's that's not a thing. to oh, Fine, we'll save. I mean, he, it's it's to be
1: expected. He's got whatever he has, whatever he needs. Yeah, he's it's a bag of holding as armor.
0: Yes. Um, finally, uh, we get to see the Hulk take on Doom one on one. Smacks him upside the head, and then just like puts him in a bear hug and starts waltzing him around. Yeah. Just like
1: it's, and it's also so weird because Hulk is yelling at him to give up. Yeah. Like what would, if he said like, I give, and I actually really kind of like do not give cause he wouldn't, he yeah, wouldn't no. be like this beat. This brute has beaten me. He's like, no, I'm not going to give up. And then
0: Hulk is like, ah, I beat you anyways. So whatever. Yeah. And then he just, he stops. Hulk will fight no more. Yeah, I mean, the parallel here is to that great scene that we've talked about a few times on the show with uh, back in Fantastic Four with the thing just crushing his hands. Uh, and that's like a dramatic and scary and intense scene. And this is kind of doing that. But again, he's just got him in the bear hug. He's lifting him off the ground. The Hulk could squish him if he wanted right. to.
1: There could be, and it's, it's so, one of the weirdest things is that Ayer's in the middle tier of that page, Hulk is grabbing and squishing Doom. And instead of zooming in to see a reaction, to see the panic, to see the fear, to see things breaking his armor, he zooms out. And it's this really strange storytelling choice where he, he zooms take, out, he rotates around. Yeah, it's this, it's, oh yeah, he breaks 180 like rapidly. And it's so strange because it takes away any feeling any dynamism that we could have had here for nothing for to for to vary the it's such a for a climax of a story and for something that could be really powerful it just is drained in such a weird way and I think that that's a great example of the weird choices here is it's just you've been this guy's you know Dick Ayers has been in the business for decades at this point like he has a long career of learning these, you know, what can work here and, you know, inking Kirby working with yeah. the best in the world at this kind of visual communication. And it's just not there.
0: Yeah. Um, and it ends with, like you said, uh, the Hulk announcing like, okay, well, I won cause I won. And then Valeria rushes over to doom to, you know, try to comfort him and the Hulk gets really sad and jumps away. The end.
1: So that I think
0: is probably
1: the ending of forty to fifty percent of Hulk comics like yes. in this time span. It's just like, I'm done, peace, I'm gonna go, get hassled somewhere else, yeah, you know, next issue. can I th- there's also like the final close up of the Hulks face on that last page is very strange. yeah, it's very like. I can't, I don't have the words to describe it. It's like very emotionally, like there's that long filtrum that I'll, some folk yeah. artists love to do, that very long above the lip area. But here it, it's just, it's, it's, I think that we're going back to that separate stuff. It's goofy looking, it's silly looking. Yeah. It looks like clownish. And it's, it's funny because I don't think that anybody involved with this comic really knows what they wanted to do with it. Yeah. They wanted, you know, they wanted, you know, it's the Hulk, he's going to smash something and Dr. Doom's a bad person. So it's, it writes itself. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't write itself.
0: No, there's, yeah. There's, there's no through line. There's no thematic anything. There's just one thing kind of happening after another in a way that, I don't think anybody had in mind when, when they started happening.
1: No. And I think a lot of, I mean, for me, at least a lot of these early seventies Marvel books have this kind of vibe where they're spinning their wheels. Like they, you know, we have to do a new Hulk comic. This issue. he's got to do something. We've already told a bunch of the stories that we could tell with this character. So, you know, and I think that grabbing Dr. Doom is a great example of that. Let's, Let's have him fight somebody else's bad guy. Let's see what happens. Let's see what's what we get out of it. And yeah, it's such a, I think that it's really endemic around this time. I mean, you would know more than I do, but for it's, me at least, yeah, when I when I look back at this time, it's like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, you guys are really not, you know, capturing
0: why what brought you to the dance in the first place. Yeah, I mean, the, the young people are starting to come in around this point. We're starting to see, like, Englehart turns up around this time, and he's got some real clever ideas that he's doing in Captain America, and Avengers and stuff. But uh, Hulk, like... Hulk spends a long time when nobody is really sure what to do with him. Cause he's great for a certain kind of spectacle. And there's just a lot of like smashing stuff that goes on. Smashing stuff is what sells this comic. And what are you going to do to keep
1: it, right. keep it lively? Yeah. yeah. You can't play dragon ball with it and make him make bigger and bigger smashes every issue. You know, you yeah. have to, modulate a little bit. I think that Iron Man had a very similar problem around this time, I think, is it was very much like, well, what do we do? This character is not inherently interesting, you know, and we can't... And so I think this was when they started just, oh, he's got this new thing in his armor. Here's this new thing. Here's a new thing. That's what's keeping us interested in, keeping people reading this. So I think that, I don't know, it's... I'm not sure if it was line-wide at this time, but I think you're right that this was kind of like the, the fade of a previous generation. I think having Dick Ayers on this art and Severin on this art is a great example of that. It's like, these are the guys from the last go-round kind of you know, scraping out the page rate for a while until somebody can do something interesting with these characters. And like, it took a while. When was the first like really sort of enjoyable Hulk run after
0: this point? I feel like it was...
1: Not for at least a decade or more. Yeah,
0: it, it's a, I mean, there's some fun stuff in some of the Bill Mantlo issues. It's, it's not, there's nothing super memorable. There's, there's some clever stuff that get that gets done, but fun and really hulky. Like, you kind of have to wait till it's Peter David. Right. And that's 20 years from now. This is 71. When did it? No, th- it's, go? Uh, it's like 84. 485 it's like it's oh, a so solid earlier earlier than i thought okay it's a, but it's a solid 15 years yeah that's- um, and what's interesting is that after that there's a little bit of a fallow period and then people start figuring out one after another interesting things to do with the hulk and you get the greg Pak stuff like world war hulk and planet hulk which are just fantastic right and now you've got uh, like Al Ewing doing uh, the uh, Immortal Hulk, which is like flat out amazing and draws on all this stuff, like finds the stuff that should have been interesting earlier and makes it interesting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it really, it's kind of amazing that the character took that long to find his, to find his feet, you know? And like, and it's also, I think, kind of a testament to how successful Marvel's business was at this time that they could, Published these absolutely uninteresting comics
0: for fifteen years. Yeah, and th- there's there are f- a few titles that are like the Funyuns of Marvel. Like a few years ago, it turned out that like Funyuns don't have a brand manager. Like they just sell a certain amount and they pay their bills and they they keep going. Um, Daredevil was like that for a really 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 long time. Like there's, there are people who can find stuff to like in the first 15 years of Daredevil, but really like before Frank Miller, there's not a lot to write home about for more than an issue or two at a time. Uh, And they just managed to endure until the point where somebody figured out uh, what to do with it.
1: They hit that kind of level of inertia, basically, where they're just, you know, it's the balls rolling, might as well just, we're selling enough to keep the lights on who cares what it looks like or what it reads. like, Really? Yeah. You know, let's give some, and yeah, I think that that's, daredevil a great example because yeah, I don't, I have literally zero memory of anything that
0: happens in there. Dare... I mean, yeah. You know, and the... two gun kid, actually like two gun kid and rawhide kid were running until the late seventies. Wow. That's flabbergasting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to think that Marvel's line was like that. And I'm looking at the, the now on sale checklist for this issue. And yeah, Millie, the model, was up to 192 at this point in 71. So yeah, they were just just staying the course, you know, which...
0: What else is, what else is on that uh, checklist?
1: Uh, this is uh, Fantastic Four 115, Spider-Man 101, Spidey, an outcast with six arms, and he needs them all when he meets the vampire thing called Morbius.
0: And that is Life. the... F- that, okay, that's the first appearance of Morbius. That's also the first issue of Spider-Man that was not written by Stan Lee wow so yeah
1: i think that we're getting like we talked about like the older generation is starting to step away they're Mm -hmm. starting to like make this power vacuum here oh yeah (laughs) we just went and saw black widow last week and the morbius trailer befuddled my wife so much she could not figure out what that movie was or who it was for or what because i mean she she is not like a she, she watches the movies and like enjoys them for what they are. But like, she was like, "Is this a spi- wait, wait, this is a Spider-Man guy. But where's Spider-Man? Where's what is what? Is, what is he doing?" Also, this month, just look at the checklist. Is Mark will feature one first? Defenders appearance. Wow, so that's super interesting. I think that the, the, I love Defenders. I love just the whole concept. I love the sort of like weird unteam. But I also think that Defenders, a lot of those are pretty bad for the Hulk in a lot of ways. I don't think that they do him any favors because uh, it's, it's, it's such like, oh, I guess I got to hang out with Magic Man. You know, Magic right, Man's
0: going right. to come get me and, you know, take me out of what I was doing. I read this thing about how, you know, you can read the Defenders as a group therapy situation overseen by Doctor Strange.
1: Like, I can definitely see. And I, I think that the better
0: lineups, the defenders are like that. Where it's like These are people who have nothing to do with each other and just like they hang out together because they've got nobody else.
1: Right. And I, th- I think that's a great it's an incredible angle. on it. And I think it's really the better issues. And I think the great issues the defenders have that vibe where it's like we are barely <laughs> holding it together, but somehow, you know, we're all dealing with one thing or another. And I love, I love, like, there's so much to love about the Defenders. I think that there's a lot of, at this time, especially the, like, kid readers, There's a lot of real personal identification yeah. with one hero or another. Like, that's my guy. Like, yeah. Batman's my guy. Spider-Man's my guy. So I could definitely see, I think, especially in this time, even though these comics were pretty bad, I remember in the 80s, especially Hulk was people's guy. Yeah. You know, he was, he was the character that they liked. He was, the, you know... He was the character for kids who got really mad. You know, I think that there's there's something that is so resonant, no matter how unsatisfying his current portrayal is, there's something so resonant about this archetype. Yeah. That, you know, he's always going to be in there for someone. So I can see, you know, somebody grabbing that with the Defenders too. Oh, one thing that I didn't mention that That's- as I was looking into this is that there's a three-volume Dick Ayers autobiographical memoir comic. Huh. And I can't find copies anywhere. It was published by uh, what's this publisher? Uh, published by a publisher I've never heard of. Mecca Comics. Hmm. No idea. In 2005. So pretty late in his life. Yeah, there's three volumes apparently. Wow. He died in 2004, so it maybe published posthumously. Huh. Yeah, so three volumes. Volume one is 1924 to 1951 exclamation mark volume two, 1951 to 1986, exclamation mark, and volume three, 1986 to the present. Wow. And I, I would love to see these. Like this That'd is be fascinating very to I've never heard of like an artist of that generation doing an autobiographical work that like 120 pages is what it looks like. Wow. So that's a significant, you know, chunk of work that I would love to see. So yeah, if you if anybody out there
0: has a copy of that, Please do drop us a line at faithfulretainerboris at voiceoflotferia.com. And I think uh, Thor and I both really want to see that. Kay Thor Jensen, thank you so much for joining us. Next week, career diplomat Margaret Pride will be coming onto the show to talk about Astonishing Tales number six and seven and reveal the truth about diplomatic immunity. The Voice of Latveria podcast is made possible by the patronage of listeners like you. If you support us through patreon.com slash douglaswolk, you'll get access to our private book club and discussion board for Marvel nerds, the 616 Society. You can find out more about this podcast on our website, voiceoflatveria.com, and follow us on Twitter. This is Douglas Walk for the VOL. Douglas Walk appears by special arrangement with Universe 1218.
1: His book, All of the Marvels, is a guided tour of 60 years and half a million pages of the Marvel comic story. All of the Marvels will be published by Penguin Press this October. Lord Doom commands you to order it. Tomorrow, on Where Creatures Roam, a field guide to the unearthly creatures who have made their existence known in recent years even if you can't tell the difference between the Creature from Krogar and the Creature from Nowhere. Excuse me. That's Gruto, the Creature from Nowhere. In any case, we'll teach you the telltale signs, should any of these extraterrestrial or supernatural monsters return to menace us all. Before you know it, you'll be able to spot the Creature from Krangro, the Creature from Cosmos, the Creature from the Black Bog, the Creature from Planet X, and even the Thing from the Hidden Swamp, who is not, strictly speaking, a Creature. That's where creatures roam. Tomorrow on the VOL, this concludes our broadcast day. May Doom's terrifying face inspire you to devotedly implement his policies until you die. <laughs>